The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Amen, church. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Philippians, chapter number 4. In a few minutes, we will have an opportunity to give our offering both here to our local church and our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. As you heard IMB President David Platt say that uh, every bit of the money that is given for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes to the missionaries that are around the field. But I thought that it would be appropriate on this Sunday before Thanksgiving for us to uh, look at the text that is before us today first before we give and see what the Lord has to say to us about this subject. So we close out this book, Philippians chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 10. Would you read silently as I read out loud for us as a congregation? And we will read verse 10 down through verse number 23. Philippians 4, so the Bible says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction." You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Would you bow for a word of prayer today? Our Father, now we do come to you. We ask for your grace and mercy and peace. And as we open your word, please teach us to be conformed to the image of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would give me the words to say from your text. And I pray that you would open our hearts, that you would convict us, Lord, if there are those that are here today that are lost and undone without Jesus, that you would convict their hearts of sin and righteousness and judgment, and that they would put their faith alone in Christ alone today. On this Good Thanksgiving week, we want to remember, Lord, and ask that for every believer in this room as well, that you would move our hearts so that we are most thankful but that we express that thankfulness through the way that we give, both to our local church and for the furtherance of the gospel around the world. For it is in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. 
As many of you can see following along there in your bulletin, this week I uh, decided to just title the, uh, the sermon, I do not think it means what you think it means. And uh, some of you might know where that come from and some of you might not, but if you have never had the privilege of seeing the movie The Princess Bride, then I urge you, Thanksgiving afternoon on you're at the house, you need to download that from Netflix and you need to watch The Princess Bride because it is a wonderful and a good movie, family friendly, you will enjoy it. But for those of you that haven't seen the movie, uh, there's two characters and they're going back and forth speaking to each other. And the one little guy, he keeps using the word inconceivable inconceivable. And uh, everything that happens in the movie, that's his expression, uh, inconceivable. And finally, at some point in the movie, the one dude looks over at him and says, you keep using this word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> when we come to the text that's before us today, this last little portion of Philippians, I could think of no better way to title this sermon than to say, I do not think it means what you might have been told that it means. There are two verses in this passage that are used and ripped out of their context so many times by well-meaning and good believers. And so what I want to do is kind of put those back into their context and speak with us today. The first you'll find before we actually get to the sermon is in verse number 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. And I've heard people use that verse all the time, and I know that they mean well. But brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that if you rip that verse out of context and you go up to the top of our church building and jump off and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I assure you, you're going to come splat on the sidewalk and die. Okay? Uh, I said it to the reading group on Friday like this, you know, I want to play for the Panthers. I want to play football for an NFL team. And I know most of you in here think, yeah, pastor, that physique that you've got, you could play football no problem. Oh, this dear sister's laughing her head off over here. Well, look, if I go go see Ron Ron Rivera down in Charlotte and I say, look, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me play next Sunday. He's probably going to laugh like that, sister. Right? That verse is taken out of context when, when people use it in that way. Certainly Christ gives us strength for all that we need and all that we go through for life. But in the context of this passage of Scripture, it is speaking in terms of being content. And we'll get to that in a few minutes when we deal with the points. But what the Bible is teaching here is that in every circumstance whereby we need contentment, whether we are in poverty or whether we are in riches, whether we are starving to death in Darfur, hungry, going through genocide, or whether we have a beautiful house and a beautiful home and a beautiful family, no matter what those situations hold for us, I can operate and live and have joy and contentment and the peace of God in my heart. How? Through Christ Jesus Christ my Lord. And many of you may be thinking, well, if I had all the money in the world, I would be content. I assure you this. Do you know the one thing that is sure of people that have a lot of money that are lost? They always want more. They always want more. And do you know what happens when that balloon gets punctured just a little bit? They realize that it does not satisfy the deeper needs of the soul. I wish that you could go with us sometime to El Salvador and see people who live in little shanties and houses that have, uh, you know, basically, you know, holes in the sides of the walls and very little food. And most of the people we go see are living on $10 to $15 worth of food a month. 
and they have the joy of God on their face. Now you say, well, ignorance is bliss. No, Christ is bliss. The other verse that's taken out of context, context so often is verse number 19. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I don't know how many times I've heard people say that. God will supply all of your need. And it is true in a certain way that God does supply the need, but you can't rip that verse out of its context. The context in which that promise is given to a corporate body of believers is within the context that says, as you are supplying the physical, financial needs of those who are furthering the gospel, in so much that you are helping out the needs of other people, my God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So let's bring ourselves to the text. We'll walk through it a little bit. And if you're looking for maybe a dominant theme out of this passage today, here's what it is. That is that God can be trusted to provide all material needs for those who partner in the ministry of the Gospel. Let me say that again because it's not in your notes today. God can be trusted to provide all material needs for those who partner in the ministry of the Gospel. And for just a few minutes today, our text here can be broken into really three major divisions. And I'll just give you an easy way to think about the dominant themes of those three divisions. So, first of all, from verse 10 to verse number 14 today, commendation and contentment. Commendation and contentment. The Apostle Paul begins in verse number 10 and in verse number 14 to give an accommodation to this church. And I want you to notice that he speaks to this church both of their attitude and of their actions. Look back at verse number 10. He says, but I rejoiced. And where was his joy? I rejoiced in the Lord. And, and what's the adjective that explains all that? I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. And what is this great rejoicing that's going on? He says that now at last you have revived or renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me before, but you lacked opportunity. Do you know the word here, revived concern, means it's the same word that we talked about last week when it said to meditate, to think deeply, to soak in things that are good and pure and righteous and holy. You remember us speaking about that? He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that once again you have renewed and revived your concern, your love for me. It's as if the thoughts in your mind, you, you once loved me, you had concern for me, but over the last ten years, since the Apostle Paul had been at Philippi, they had kind of weaned away from that. They had kind of gone away from that. But now, this church has a revival in their heart to care for the Apostle Paul and the furtherance of the Gospel. But what does it say in that verse? You lacked opportunity. Can I say to us today that we need to, first of all, if we're going to have the accommodation of the Apostle Paul, if he's going to speak well of our church, then we need to be, have, be the kind of people that have the right attitude. And that is a revival, a renewal of concern for the furtherance of the Gospel and the taking care of those who are doing that. And you know, sometimes there are people that have all of the possibility and all of the means to take care and to give and to help the gospel get out, but they don't have the right attitude. And there are some people that have the right attitude, but they just don't have the opportunity. 
I was telling some people the other day, you know, there's a lady in this church that came to me and she said, basically, in in different terms, she said, I don't have two nickels to rub together. It's everything that I can do to make, to just to make ends meet and put food on the table. But I want to, I want to tithe of my time. I want to give of my time. That's all I've got right now. And I'll trust God that when he gives me more finances, when he, when he helps me out with a job, when he does this, that I'll give back. I want to give. I want to give to the Lord. I've got all of the, uh, the right attitude, but not necessarily all of the opportunity to do. And you know, the sad thing is, here's a lady that has the right attitude, but not the possibility. And there are so many of us that sit in our pews, not just this church, but every church, every week, and we have opportunity. We have means. We have work. But we don't have the right attitude to give to the glory of God and the furtherance of the gospel. Look at verse number 14. Not only did they have the right attitude, but they had the right actions as well too. He says, nevertheless, you have done well to share with me. And the word share here is a monetary word. It picks up again in verse number 15 and 16. But he's saying here, nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. It is not just that this church had the right attitude to give, but they had the right actions that when opportunity came their way, they were at the ready and they gave sacrificially. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But they were willing. The reason why the accommodation comes to this church is because they had the right spirit, the right attitude to give for the furtherance of the gospel. And when the rubber met the road, they were more than just talking. They actually did something. And there are numbers of people and believers in our churches every week. And we're so thankful that it's Thanksgiving week. And God has given us homes and families and cars and jobs and all of the things that God has given us. And we say that we're very thankful. We say that we appreciate God. But when the rubber meets the road and it's time to give in the offering plates for the furtherance of the gospel in Raleigh and North Carolina and in our nation and around the world, we shortchange God. The church that gets the accommodation from the Apostle Paul and from the Lord Jesus Christ is the church that says, I'm so thankful for what God has done in my life and in my family's life, rescuing me from hell, giving me an eternal heaven and home, that today I will share monetarily in the affliction of those who are spreading the gospel. See, that's what we've got to do. We've got to give that way. Now, not only accommodation, but look at the major teaching in verse 11, 12, and 13 of contentment. Look at what the Apostle Paul says here. He teaches us the secret of contentment. Not that I speak, verse 11, not that I speak of want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to get along in prosperity. In every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled, of going hungry, and both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all of these things. That is, I can have nothing or everything. I can be hungry or be filled. I can have nowhere to go on Thanksgiving, or I can be filled to the brim on Thanksgiving. I know how to do all of that because I've learned to be content, to be satisfied in Jesus Christ. And you notice there the word where it says the secret. This is a, this is a, a, a word that was used in cults at the time that meant like an initiation. And the only way I know how to think about that is maybe in terms of uh, like a secret handshake, right? Or you remember when you were kids and you built forts in the backyard and the only way anybody could get in the fort is to have the right knock, yeah? 
When I was growing up, we had a code word in our, in our home. My brother and I, my, my dad and my mom said, well, listen, if any stranger ever comes to the door, they ever say, hey, we need you to come. Your parents are in trouble. We had a code word. Now, we don't use this anymore because I'm an adult now. But we were always supposed to say, what's the code word? And if the stranger didn't know the code word, we were to run the opposite direction from them. And the code word was in, you know, y'all know I'm Lebanese, right? Uh, no, y'all smiling. Yeah, Christina and I are Lebanese. My mom's almost full-blooded Lebanese, and I know I don't quite look that way, but I am. And so, um, uh, uh, thank you in uh, in uh, Lebanese is uh, Salim Aleikum. All right. And so, most people don't know Salim Aleikum. So, our code word when we were kids was if a stranger came to the door and they knew the code word Salim Aleikum, then we would go with them. The secret, the code word to contentment. Hear me. The code word to contentment is Christ and being satisfied in Him. Being filled with Him. Looking and gazing and longing to see the fulfillment of Jesus Christ in your life. I don't have time to run this through today, but I want to tell you a couple of things. You might want to do this on your own time. Even in your English Bible, take a concordance and look up all of the passages that actually deal with the word contentment in the New Testament. Almost every one of those references are tied to the context of money. Do you know why? Because money for us is where we find our security and our provision. And God wants you to understand and to break away from that and understand that your ultimate security and your ultimate provision is not in the paycheck, however important that is. For that is fleeting. It comes and it goes. People get jobs and they get promotions and they get demoted and they lose jobs. Our contentment is in Christ Jesus alone. Okay? Let me make a second point for us today. From verse 15 to verse number 19, here's a way to kind of remember that section. Giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. Look down at verse number 15. Let me kind of read and teach through here. You yourselves also know, uh, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the Gospel... Right? And so when was that first preaching of the gospel? About 10 years ago. After I left Macedonia, watch, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you. You know, what we learn from that verse simply is this, that giving is a mark of Christian maturity for churches. No church gave. The Apostle Paul was going about his first and second missionary journey, planting churches, seeing people saved, growing believers, but only one church gave. What kind of church will our church be? What kind of people will we be? Will we take and glean and suck the goodness out of the marrow, out of all of God's provisions? Or will we be the kind of people that take everything that Jesus has to offer and then say, we will rise to the occasion and we will be the kind of people and we will be the kind of church that give back to the furtherance of the Gospel? What will we be? Emmanuel. Look down at the verses if you would. Verse 17, verse number 18. Not that I seek after a gift itself, but I seek for the profit. That is, the profit that comes from the gift, which is increasing to your account. 
Don't you see how the apostle turns that on its head? Every time you give, God turns that back to your account and your blessing. Look at verse number 18. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was one of the elders there at Philippi. What you have sent... And then notice what he sent. It is an offering and a fragrant aroma, acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Giving is a sacrifice to God that results in the help of other people. Can I ask you a question? When you give your tithe and when you give your offering in the offering plate each week, do you think about that? Do you mentally project and think through and meditate that when you lay whatever it is you have into the plate, that that smells good to God? And that that bears Old Testament connotations that just as they took those sacrifices in there to the Holy of Holies and killed those sacrifices and shed that blood, picturing Jesus on the cross, the ultimate sacrifice, that when you lay that envelope in the plate, you are giving a sacrificially back to the Lord and that it pleases God. Do you really think like that? Or do you just tip God a 10 or a 20 or whatever you have in your wallet or purse at the time? When we give, it pleases and honors God and it smells good to Him. Is that how you give back to the Lord? Look back at the text and just draw your attention to this. That receiving is God meeting our needs with His resources. There's a play that's going on on words. Um, verse number 18 and 19. Look here at your text but I have received everything in full and have abundance. Notice here, probably have similar English language. I am amply supplied. You see that? I am amply supplied or well supplied. Then look at verse number 19. And my God will supply. You see that connection? And my God will supply all of your need. You see what the Apostle Paul is saying here? He's saying, look, you are supplying my need with your resources. With whatever you have, you're supplying my need as I preach the gospel. You're helping me with your resources. And when you help me with your resources, God turns around and supplies your need with His resources. Amen? And what about God's resources? Just break it down there in your prepositions at verse number 19. And my God will supply all of your needs. How is He going to do that? He's going to do it in connection or according to His riches. And what about His riches? Where are His riches? They are in glory. They are in heaven. What did Jesus say? Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where um, uh, uh, rust and moth cannot corrupt. All of God's riches are in glory. They can't be corruptible. They can't be exhausted. And then where are they all in? They are according to His riches. They are in glory. And they are by Jesus Christ. Are we the kind of church that are holding loosely whatever we earn in this life and we're giving for the furtherance of the gospel locally and globally and we are saying, God, we are not going to hold on and be selfish. We're going to give everything that we have for the furtherance of the gospel and we're going to trust that God is able to supply every need that we have as a church according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Do we believe it? That's the question. That's the question. 
I was thinking this week, let me just talk to you for a moment. I pray, I pray each week and I pray that the Lord would help us to become the right kind of church. A living and a growing body of unified believers who worship God in spirit and in truth, who reach our communities with the good news of Jesus, and who train people how to live for Christ in every facet of life. I pray that pretty much every day of my life for us as a church. And when we think about reaching our communities, I, I say that in the plural because in our church we have maybe three communities that we're looking to work in. One is our church body community, our people right here. And then we have our local community, right? Our, the zip codes that are around our church. And then we have a global community, which would be our, our state and our nation and around the world. Those three areas, our church, our local community, and the rest of the world. And I just want you to listen to me. Just give me a couple minutes and we'll, we'll finish up for today. But just listen to this. I was jotting these things down. For just in the next month, and then in fact, there's a, there's a, a bulletin or a, a paper out there on the uh, welcome desk. You can see all of this and get one for your way out and you can pray for it. But just in the next month, our church community, just us as a people, on December 3rd, Brian's taking all the kids to the Polar Express down in Spencer, North Carolina. That's for our church body community, right? We're going to minister and fellowship and love and encourage them and families. On December the 4th, we have our Christmas musical, and in part, not total, right? In part, that's for our church family here, all of our choir, and all of those that are playing, all of those that are singing, and everything else that will go on. And for all of us as a congregation, December 4th in the morning and in the evening, that we have the Christmas musical going on here. Uh, on, I think it's the 14th of December, we have a Wednesday night service here called Christmas Around the Table. And if you've never been, you should come. It's a wonderful time for our church family. Bill Bailey reads the Christmas story every year. They're going to have people singing. We have a wonderful meal. It's a great time of fellowship for our church body. What about locally? What about right here in our community? Well, this evening, right here tonight at 5 o'clock, we have a Connections dinner. And let me, let me go ahead and make this very clear for anybody. I've been trying to say this past several weeks. We will have our church, uh, our church kind of uh, gathering and fellowship at Christmas around the table. Tonight is not a Thanksgiving dinner for the entire church. What I've been telling you for weeks now is that we are partnering with the Human Coalition. And there will be uh, some ladies here this evening, some adults here this evening. In fact, 12 adults and 16 children will be here tonight. And they are preserving and helping life. And that's a local agency that we're helping to minister to. And so there have been plenty of people that have uh, signed up to volunteer to help out this evening. And so we have gotten, we've purchased gifts for all of those children that will be here tonight. We're going to feed them and minister to them and love on them. And that's something we're doing locally. I would say secondly, December the 4th, we do have our Christmas musical. And I told Jamie last year, and we're doing it this year, that is a local outreach for our community. So that Sunday morning, I'm not going to preach as long, okay? But the choir, they're all going to sing. We're going to have a wonderful time. You should invite people in this neighborhood, your neighbors and friends and family, come December 4th to a wonderful Christmas musical. And I will share the gospel, I promise you that. On December 10th, 
December 10th, Saturday, December 10th, right here, we're doing a Christmas care day for our uh, parents and families in our local neighborhoods here. It's already on the next door, right? And so from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock, we're going to provide lunch and take care of uh, children. Uh, I think uh, babies all the way through fifth grade in our neighborhood so that moms and dads can go out and buy Christmas gifts. That's an opportunity that we're going to do to serve and minister and evangelize our community. Then we have later on in December where we're going to go caroling. And many of you have done that with us. Our church has done that for the past few years. Now we're opening that up to our community. Anybody in the community that wants to come and carol with us in the neighborhood, they're all welcome to do that. We have a Christmas Eve service on the 24th, candlelight Christmas Eve service. That's for our local community around here to come out. Many people will be here that night that do not know Jesus. They don't have a church home, but they're they're pseudo-religious. And we'll share the gospel and sing together and give them exposure to our church. What about globally? We talked about our church body, our local area. What about globally? What are we doing? Well, we have our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and you saw that. And I think our goal this year is $7,000. Let's try and meet that goal faithfully. But I just want to say to you, it's important that we do that. Not only that, but I don't want to scare you too much, but next year we are for sure going to Slovenia with a mission trip in May. We are going to Boston in August. We are going to El Salvador in November. And if I don't fall over dead, we're going to try the best we can to also get to Nepal this next year. I was at the Baptist State Convention earlier this week and was approached by a good ministry and some folks, and they've asked that we could bring a, if we could bring a small team in 2017 to Nepal and do a two-day seminar whereby we would train Nepalese pastors. And uh, so uh, I'm not sure how we're going to figure all that out, but that's us trying to reach our globe. I just want to, real quickly, I just want to say, let's be faithful to give. Let's be faithful to give. In the new year, I'll speak to you about what I believe the Bible teaches about the way that we should give faithfully. But don't tip God. Be faithful in giving and receiving. And realize that when you give for the furtherance of the gospel, God supplies all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'll tell you what Connie and I do. We give 10% of our income. I'm not getting into a debate on you with tithing and all of that. But we, we've just determined to give 10% of our income every month to the Lord faithfully right here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. You say, why? Because this is where we get fed. This is where we grow. These are our brothers and sisters. This is our local church. And so we give faithfully 10% of our income right here to the local operating budget of the church. And then throughout the year, as different offerings and things come up, we give over and above toward that. And we pray and I say, Lord, we're going to do the best we can and we're trusting You to supply all of our need according to Your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we give. And, and, and we want to, we're still learning, but we want to be the kind of people that are learning how to give until it hurts. We want to be faithful to do that. I want to encourage you. Don't give your tithe and for those of you that aren't real churchy people, that's just an old English way of saying 10%, okay? It's kind, of a, it's kind of a marker in the Bible. God said to the Israelites to give 10%. It's just kind of a good measuring rod to start with. And maybe you're here, listen, don't get all legalistic. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, I don't have a job. I don't have it. I can't give 10% of what I got. Start somewhere. 
Give 3%, give 5%, give 7%. But find you a benchmark and start there and be faithful and say, Lord, as you bless, as promotions come, as jobs happen, as things come in, I'll be faithful to keep giving. But find a benchmark somewhere and begin there. Okay? Don't give, don't give your 10%. Don't give your tithe to Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Don't do that. Give faithfully to the local operating budget of this church as we take care of our church community and our local community. And give over and above that for our global initiatives. I just want you to think about that. God will supply the need. He always has and He always will. Let's be the kind of mature Christian church that gives. Let me finish. Look at the last three verses. Verse 20 through verse number 23. Look at what it says here. These are a beautiful way to end it. A doxology here, verse 20. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Notice the repetitive word here. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You want to... Let me just point out three things to you in those last few verses. I would say glory, greeting, and grace. Isn't that great? Verse number 20, remember, and those three verses really tell you what the whole book has been about. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It is all about the glory of God. To God be the glory, great things He has done. Amen? And then look at those center verses. Greet these people. Greet these people. It reminds us of what the book has been teaching. It is not just a hello and goodbye and passing. It is greet them, love them, unify with them, be on the same page. We are brothers and sisters. Don't fight. Don't argue. Don't fuss. Be on the same page. Greet each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Live for Jesus together as the community of God. And what does it end up with? The same way it began in verse 1 and 2 of the very beginning of the book. The grace of of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The you here or your is is a second person plural. All my English teachers are like, yeah, teach up. It's a second person plural. He's saying not just you individually, you corporately as a church. And the word spirit here is in the singular. And so what he is saying is, yes, all of us have an individual spirit, but all of us have a collective spirit as a church. What is the spirit of our church right here? God says to Emmanuel Baptist Church, to all of us together, pulling in the same direction, loving in the same direction, giving God glory and the world the gospel. May God's grace abound to us. May God's grace and mercy and peace be to us as a body of believers in the way that we live for Him. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.